Hello and welcome to the Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today I'm with Luke Harrington. Uh, Luke is the author of Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Bemused, and Hopefully Informed. Uh, it's, it's one of those books that's just so well titled that if you see it in stores, you're sure to pick it up. So I, I had to <laughs> not only pick this book up, but I needed to talk to Luke about it and what what caused him to write this. Uh, so Luke, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm glad you liked the title. It was um, it was a long and tortuous route to that title. Uh, <laughs> I say, tell me, talk to me about how you like workshopped this. Like, what were the different working titles you had for it? Well, gosh, how much how much of the history of this book do you want to know? Because this stretches back seven years, so okay, we could well, go on. Let's let's start with what was the beginning of it for you? Just kind of give me the general overview of what led to this book. Okay, sure, yeah. Um, this is way back <laughs> in the fall of 2013, um, way back in the Halcyon days, 2013. Um, I wrote a I wrote a piece for Crack.com. I don't know if you know Cracked. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a a humor site, they are not really worth reading anymore. 2013 <laughs> was sort of their uh, their glory years, maybe near the end of their glory years. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were, at, at in the late 2000s, early 20-teens, they were like one of those sites that you compulsively checked every day mm-hmm. because they kept publishing so much good content. Uh, since then, they've been sold. They've fired all their editorial staff. They're basically a different site now, but... Um, Anyway, back when they were still sort of good, <laughs> I wrote a piece for them uh, that was called Six Filthy Jokes You Won't Believe Are From the Bible. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it kind of just blew up for a couple of days. Like, it was, I, saw, I was seeing it all over the Internet. Um, it popped up in the real world a few times. Like, someone sent me a, a photograph of, a, uh, like, a print newspaper in Australia that referenced it. Um, oh, wow. which was really interesting. Um, so yeah, that was probably the closest I've ever been to famous, um, <laughs> for like two days in 2013. Um, and what happened was, uh, a book packager, uh, reached out to me. Um, now I don't know, for listeners who don't know what a book packager is, that's basically they conceive of books, they come up with ideas for books, they hire writers to write them, and then they sell them to publishers. Um, so that's what that is. And they said, hey, why don't you expand that into a book, you know? Um, and the the um, title they gave me at the time, uh, can I curse on this show or? <laughs> uh, let's, let's say no, because we haven't, we haven't ran into that yet. Uh, we tend to stick with the, okay. with like theologians and pastors. So <laughs> feel free to censor okay, yourself, but I, I do have to check a different box on, on uh, Apple podcasts if you do. Okay. Well, I'll just say this is the literal truth, is that the title they pitched to me was Holy S-H asterisk T exclamation point. That was how they spelled it. So that way I don't have to curse. Um, <laughs> so Holy S-word, the dirtiest bits in the Bible. Um, and that was their title for it. Um, and they uh, originally, obviously, it was conceived for, like, the secular market. Um, but they, so I signed with them, and I was signed with them for three years. They never managed to sell it. Um, we had a couple of nibbles from, from Penguin publishers, but it was, it am, amounted to nothing, basically. Um, now after that, <laughs> uh, after that deal died, I, I got contacted by a small Christian press called Lexham Press. Um, and they are 
for people who are familiar with Logos Bible Software. Uh, they're part of the same company that, that does that. Um, and Lexum is primarily an academic publisher, but for some reason they wanted my book about butt jokes in the Bible. Um, and I said, sure, and I'm with them, you know. Um, and, you know, they were like, okay, we obviously can't call it Holy F Word because we're a Christian publisher. So the contract I signed with them had the tentative title of Ezekiel and the Murder Bears and other strange Bible stories. Um, and I wrote it for them. Like, I was signed with them for a year and a half, and then when the whole thing was written, they pulled the plug. Um, apparently, there was some exec who didn't know about the book and found out about it and hated it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that was a, a dark time for me. Um, so, yeah, it took me a few months, <laughs> but I finally finally successfully pitched it to um, HarperCollins Christian Publishing, uh, who's now publishing under, under their W label. Um, and they, they didn't like Ezekiel and the Murder Bears, which, you know, I wasn't super crazy about it either, so that was fine. Um, so I sent them a list of proposed alternative titles that Lexum had previously sent to me. Um, and one of, one of the titles on the list was, it was something like, um, Murder Bears, Magic, and Madams, or something like that. Strange Stories from the Bible, something like that. Um, and, you know, I I, um, I said, well, why don't we, um, you know, and they said, we kind of like that one. Let's let's try that one. And I, I said, okay, first of all, I'm not crazy about the word Madams. That's just a weird word. I don't know if I want it in my title. What about Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem? <laughs> and they, they like that. Um and then I, I punched up the, the subtitle a little bit. My, my, original, my original preferred subtitle was Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Confused and Uncomfortable, um, which they liked, uh, but they were worried that wouldn't sell. Um, so, yeah, they, they, their, their concern was, you know, that subtitle makes it sound like you're going to be really negative on Scripture, and we don't want to get that impression, so... Um, I, I think what they were like, how about amused, confused, and possibly a little, or hopefully more informed about scripture. And I was like, well, let's shorten that a little bit. So anyway, I don't know if any of that story was interesting, <laughs> but that's how we arrived at the title. Yeah. It, so it, what it did for me is that it perfectly captures the tone of the book, uh, and that it is playful, uh, but it's also it, it's no holds barred. It doesn't pull any punches. Uh, you know, you're going to very frankly look at some of the parts of scripture that we don't look at, um, and you're going to do so with a sort of humorous bent. And uh, obviously, was there any? Uh, uh, the answer is going to be yes. So you can just tell me specifics. Um, was there any concern going into this book that this is going to be negatively received because it's going to be perceived as either uh, inappropriate? or that it's going to be sacrilegious? I mean, there's always that concern, right? Um, I think any time you do anything with the Bible, you can count on offending someone, <laughs> um, which I try to... I, I, I mean, you've read, you've read at least part of the book, so you know I tried to head that off a little bit in the introduction, where I was like, you know, everybody has a strong opinion about the Bible, but almost nobody's actually read it, <laughs> you know. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, my intent always was to write something that 
how do I want to put this? It doesn't necessarily preach or editorialize a lot. Um, it doesn't necessarily try to tie everything up in a neat bow. It's just, it's written with a spirit of why don't we put aside our preconceptions and really sit down and look at the look at what the Bible says, right? Let's stop <laughs> stop forming opinions about it and just really deal with what's on the page. Um, and that you know that was my goal was to say, okay, here's what the Bible says. You know, maybe here's what the Talmud or the the rabbinic tradition elsewhere has to say about it. Here's what the church fathers had to say about it. Here's what contemporary scholars have to say about it. You know, and maybe it's not necessarily that important that we immediately draw a neat little lesson from the pages. Let's just look at what it is for a second, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I, I think that I have appreciated about the book so far is that you do a great job of researching it. Um, and it's well, serious, you. it's serious research. Like, you know, I'm just, if I just thumb through the book right now and I, I look, we have uh, footnotes that are your just sort of like little asides that wouldn't quite fit in the text. Um, you know, like a footnote here just says, yes, I know this joke only works in English. Uh, but at the same point, you also have footnotes that quote, um, you know, scholarly journals and the church fathers and uh, other, other uh, historical works. Uh, so, you know, you've, you've not just kind of taken a surface level look into you you know you didn't just use your biblical concordance for the word but and then write up all the times that the word but is used um you know you you've kind of done some work into this and not just saying haha here's where the bible you know talks about things we normally don't want to talk about uh but here's why that imagery is so evocative or provocative uh here is kind of what the context the cultural context was to this this is what scripture was talking about and um it a lot of commentaries are frankly boring and they're intended you know they're intended to be that way uh that's that was kind of the you know that's their goal um is to you know not really rock the boat we're going to make sure that we're academic uh but here we're going to make sure that we're in, in in this book it is a blend of you know, very lighthearted, uh, but it's also going to hopefully teach you something along the way. And that tells you a lot about scripture. It tells you that it, people look at it and it's like, oh, holy ancient text. And this, this kind of humanizes the, the, the book and the people in it to say, this is real history. These are real people. And they had some of the same, problems and some of the same sense of humor and uh some of the same sense of being offended uh that we have today it really connects us to these people who lived 2000 3000 4000 years ago right yeah and i mean what i always tell people is you know i am not a scholar <laughs> you know i'm not a pastor or or a professor or anything. I don't have any real credentials. I just read a lot, you know, like I'm none of those things. I'm just a humorist. Um, which is why I tried to make sure that I was citing really <laughs> rock solid scholarly sources for my claims. Um, so what, I, what I'm, you know, obviously nothing I write should be anyone's 
uh, go-to for <laughs> learning serious <laughs> stuff about the Bible, um, which isn't to say I, I didn't try really hard to make sure everything I say is true, but um, um, what it is is it's, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a hand up for people who might be intimidated by mm-hmm. a scholarly work, you know, or by reading the Bible straight on, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's an invitation, you know, it's a, an invitation to, hey, just sit down with me and let's really dig into this stuff and see what we can learn um, from these ancient texts. Um, so, yeah. All right, so talk to me about the content of the book. Uh, how did you develop, like, how many how many story times did you have to read through different books of the Bible to be like, okay, I, I've, got, I've got all of them, I have exactly what I want. How does, how's the book structured? How did you determine what the content of the book was going to be? Yeah, um, so obviously, obviously when the book, um, started out, it was, you know, it was pitched to me as, like I said, the dirtiest bits in the mm-hmm. Bible. Um, so I started with, and it's, it's still heavy on this, you know, I started with just the sex and poop stuff, basically. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I've read through the Bible cover to cover several times, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, I know this stuff pretty well. So, um, I didn't, you know, I didn't have to do a lot of, like, in-depth research to identify what was weird in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I started with, um, I, I honestly started by just flipping through the Bible <laughs> and identifying anything that seemed quote-unquote dirty, you know, and <laughs> I had a whole table full of index cards with all these stories written, and I, then I started grouping them arbitrarily into, you know, topical chapters. Um, now, since then, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we've expanded expanded the scope of the work a little bit to be more like just strange stories from the Bible. Um, So, you know, I added the chapter about violence, I added the chapter about weird miracles and that sort of thing. Um, So... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just how how you got the book to be structured, and like, how did you choose what you know how how the book came together topically? So it started out. Yeah. It's going to be the dirty bits, and then it was like, well, okay, we also just kind of want to focus on on what was strange. Uh, but you gotta you, you have enough topic you have enough things here that you you fill a 200 page book. Uh, was there anything that um, Let's 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 do this. Was there anything that didn't make it in that you just went, that's not weird enough, or maybe even like, that's too weird. I don't know. I can't I can't talk about that. I will say there there's nothing that was deemed too weird. Um, and I've had really I've had really good editors throughout this whole process who really just uh, just kind of let me do what I wanted. You know, <laughs> really really didn't want to try to censor the book too much because obviously that would be pretty ironic um, if you censored a book about the uncensored Bible. Um, but yeah, I, I've had editors who didn't, didn't really push back on what I, what I wanted to include in the book. Um, in general, like the stuff that got left on the cutting room floor or whatever was mostly just stuff that I couldn't, stuff that I couldn't shape into compelling narratives, you know, stuff that, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was just like, okay, that's might be interesting in another book, but it's it's kind of boring up against some of this other stuff. Like, <laughs> I had some of, um, I have a whole chapter in the book on prostitution, obviously, um, and I, 
originally was going to try to include some of Jesus's interactions with prostitutes, but it just, it really didn't just, just didn't jive with the material. Like it was very, it, there wasn't a joke there, you know, (laughs) there wasn't a joke to be made. Um, um, I don't know what, what else, what else didn't end up in the book? Um, stuff like I, I had a chapter for a while on, um, uh, Jacob wrestling with God in, in Genesis. Um, but I, I mainly cut that out for length reasons. Like it, I, I figured this, this is already well known enough. I, and I had it in the weird miracles chapter and it's like, well, it's not really a miracle. It's just kind of this weird thing that happened. And this chapter is kind of dragging. So I cut it out. Um, that was really, honestly, that was really the main struggle of the book. And it's, it's not a particularly interesting struggle. So maybe it's not great podcast fodder, but, um, was just really kind of shaping the book and the individual sections of the book into a narrative that would compel readers to keep reading, you know? Um, so basically, if it was boring, I cut it out. <laughs> well, I, I think you did a good job because I, I haven't run across a boring part yet. Um, you have a chapter on the... Uh, I guess let's, let's do this. Let's just... So that we can give give the listeners a few practical examples of what you mean. So we kind of talked in, in generalities what what you what didn't get in, um, but let's let's say what what did get in. What were give me a few of your favorite examples of like maybe some things that until you started doing the research that was like new information to you, and then you're like, oh man, this has to go in the book. Oh sure, yeah, I got plenty of examples of that. Um, the, the one that springs to mind uh, is uh, Queen Vashti in the Book of Esther. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a um, at the begin at the beginning of the Book of Esther. Um, there's this whole narrative where um, King Xerxes or Ahasu Rerus, depending on which Bible translation you're reading, but um, basically the king of Persia he summons his queen Vashti. Um, to this party he's having because he wants all his friends to see how beautiful his wife is. Um, and she refuses, and that that's what kicks off the whole narrative of the book. Um, what's interesting about that <laughs> is um, in tradition, um, I believe in the in the Talmud, I'm, I don't have I don't have it right in front of me at the moment, but um, in tradition there's this idea that the reason Vashti refused to come was because uh, Xerxes had asked her to show up naked, um, which I was aware of. <laughs> but as I was doing research, I discovered there's um, certain rabbinic sources that um, claim, you know, she didn't want to show up naked, not because she was, like, overly modest, but because she was embarrassed, possibly because she had leprosy, or possibly because the angel Gabriel had cursed her with a penis. So... One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. You ever feel like when you read read some of the uh, the rabbinic writings and that they're just like we're gonna just figure out how many different interpretations we can we can possibly give. Like what is the you know what is the craziest thing that we can think of? And then it's probably not that, <laughs> but you know we can't rule it out. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's really there's really a really earthy sensibility to the ancient mm-hmm. Hebrew sense of humor um, and in some ways to the modern Jewish sense of humor. Um, and you don't get a lot of that in the New Testament because the New Testament is so much more Hellenistic 
mm-hmm. in origin, but there's so much good stuff in the Old Testament and and the the, the Talmud and the Midrashes. Um, that's just really like it's it, it's just got a really strong appreciation for the human body and how weird and funny it can be, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, tell me now, tell me some of the poop jokes that are in in the Bible. Where do I go? Okay. Where Where do I go for my for my favorite biblical poop joke? <laughs> okay. Well, um, probably the uh, best one that you're going to find is in. Oh gosh, uh, I'm going to mess this up if I don't look it up. Give me one sec. <laughs> we'll, we'll both search Either the first... book. Let's see if we can find it. Yeah, it's, I'm there. Just the pages are stuck together. Okay. Um, I wanted to make sure it was First Kings. <laughs> it is. I I didn't want to say Second Kings if it was First Kings. So in First Kings, um, there's this uh, Bible story that you know it's it's actually really popular Sunday school fodder. Um, Elijah, the prophet, he says to the the priest of Baal. You know, he says, um, let's have a test to see whose God is the real God, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they each build an altar and put a sacrifice on it, and then they pray that their God will send fire from heaven to burn the sacrifice, right? And whoever's, whoever's God actually does it is the real God, and that's the agreement. Um, and the priests of Baal go first, right? And they're all dancing around the altar, begging their God, pleading with their God for... Um, some some lightning to light the offering or whatever. Um, you know, they're like, <laughs> the passage says they're like cutting themselves to try to get his attention. Um, and Elijah lets him do that for a few minutes, or a few hours, I should say. Um, and finally he says, you know, just shout louder, guys. He's a god. You know, he's <laughs> um, he, he's out. Maybe he's taking a nap, or maybe he's in the john, basically, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's a pretty, pretty... Uh, Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. So, mm-hmm. Elijah, possibly the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, is not above making a poop joke every now and then. Yeah, and he's using using sarcasm, using humor. Um, you know, I, I've been accused of, you know, like you're a pastor. How can you be, you know, how can you be sarcastic? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I come from a long history. <laughs> <laughs> of prof of prophets who who said some pretty um, some pretty offensive thing. Not that I say it to be offensive, but that, you know, employ the use of humor and sarcasm in their prophecy to make a point. Um, so so yeah. Um, what uh, we'll we'll do like maybe one more one more example of of a a topic that you put in here. Um, what did you learn specifically about the women of the Bible? And how they are portrayed in Scripture, because uh, I, I gotta imagine this is this is, it's gotta be difficult because you're dealing with some pretty sensitive issues in terms of uh, um, you know the, the rights of other humans uh, in in Scripture uh, in the culture in which Scripture is written. Uh, the rights of women are not always upheld that well. Uh, sexual abuse is rampant throughout Scripture. Um, and I think in particular, uh, things that we would consider abuse today is not even necessarily condemned by Scripture. So you have to be very careful in how you talk about some of the issues uh, like this, especially if you're going to try to 
to be lighthearted and to be humorous about it. Um, so what did you, in particular for how the Bible views women, um, what did you learn while you were trying to write this book? Yeah, um, it's a good question. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of stories in the Bible about rape, about sexual abuse, um, that sort of thing. And, I mean, a lot of them are just, you know, put there as is, right? It's, 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 a lot of them are just presented as this narrative of, okay, here's what happens. And there's not a lot of moralizing in the text about, you know, what should or shouldn't have happened. It's just, here's what did happen. Um, which is interesting, you know, that so much of the Bible is just presented as narrative and not as a, a list of do's and don'ts. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, obviously readers are going to bring a lot of assumptions with them to the text about, about whether <laughs> what's being portrayed there should or shouldn't happen. Um, but I don't know. I mean, as I was, I was, I was reading a lot of these stories, um, and I was, as I was reading a lot of commentaries on them, I was kind of really struck by how sympathetic a lot of them are to their female characters, um, or at least, you know, not unsympathetic. <laughs> um, I, one of the ones I wrote about for the book is this whole whole narrative of um, the birth of Ishmael, um, which is the the whole scenario there for anyone who hasn't read the Bible or hasn't read the, the Handmaid's Tale um, is that, um, um, you know, God has promised a son to Abraham and Sarah. They're both like almost a hundred, you know, and Sarah's getting impatient and she says, here, um, have sex with my slave, basically, and my slave will give me children, um, which was apparently a thing back then. Um, and that's what happens, you know, <laughs> Abram uh, has um, sex with Sarah's uh, slave Hagar um, in a you know a moment of ambiguous consensuality, let's say, um, and she get does get pregnant and she has a son, um, and Sarah gets mad at her. Basically, she <laughs> um, starts uh, treating her badly. Eventually, throws her out, throws her out of the camp, um, leaves her to die in the wilderness with her with her baby, you know. Um, but the angel of God comes to Hagar, you know, this, this slave woman um, abandoned with her child in the desert. And, you know, he offers comfort to her and he says to, um, says to her to, to go back to um, Abram and Sarah, I'm with you. You know, I will, I'll turn you into a great nation, just like I turned, I'm going to turn Abraham into a great nation, you know? Um, and then she, um, Hagar names God in that moment. Um, she names him the God who sees, you know. And there's a, a, several commentaries I came across that make this really big deal of the fact that Hagar is the first person in Scripture allowed to give God a name, like this unwanted, raped slave woman um, is the first one who's allowed to give God a name. Um, and this is before God even gives himself a name, right, in Exodus. Um, so it's just, it's really striking, um, you know, because obviously in the ancient world, like, the authority to name someone was, like, a huge deal, you know. Um, so just the fact that God 
goes out of his way to comfort this this slave woman in the wilderness and then allows her to name him is just really a really deep and powerful thing and says a lot about who God is. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. That's that's, that's very that's very powerful. That's very good. Um, what what were the initial? I mean, I, I guess the book hasn't actually released at the time of this recording. I think it releases. Yeah, we're about the, five days yeah. away. Because <laughs> um, was my question was going to be uh, how have readers taken uh, to the book so far? But I, I guess maybe you've heard from from some early readers, um, or just res- what has response been to the book in your circle that that you know uh, of, of people who have maybe read an early copy? Sure. Yeah. I mean, in my circle, you know, reviews have been pretty glowing. Of course, um, they all I, love you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've spent like seven or eight years building an audience um, for the exact sort of thing I write, which is, you know, edgy, poop joke-filled Christian humor. Um, (laughs) It's a niche, let's say that. Um, If you go into Goodreads, um, there are some early reviews up, and they range all the way from like two to five stars. (laughs) So there's some disagreement, obviously. the one, the one two-star review um, basically says, you know, I think he takes the jokes a little too far and doesn't treat scripture seriously enough, you know, um, which was, I mean, it was, an, it was a reaction I was expecting to get, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm not super annoyed or frustrated with, with uh, that review, and I'm sure there will be more like it. Um, but clearly, you know, what I'm doing is not, for everybody, right? Like, um, if if you're if you're a fundy, <laughs> if you're if you're if you're an old lady who um, spills her tea when someone says the word "but," you know, <laughs> obviously I'm not writing this book for you. Um, and I mean, I, I say as much in the book, you know. I, I'm, I think I say something like, "This isn't for the for the old ladies or for the uh, seminary students or for the creepy homeschool kids working the Chick Fil A counter," you know. <laughs> This is this is a book for, um, you know, it's a it's a book for anyone who is curious to learn more about the Bible, but is maybe a little intimidated by it or a little a little too intimidated to pick up a serious commentary, um, and just wants like, you know, a window into the Bible that maybe uh, if they attended a more uptight church growing up, they wouldn't have had. You know, um, so it's, you know, it's not necessarily for Christians and not necessarily for non-Christians, just anyone who wants to learn more about the Bible and wants to laugh, you know, and if that's not you, <laughs> then maybe, maybe my book isn't for you. Um, but I think, um, one of, one of the reviews currently up on Goodreads, um, and you know, this is someone, as you said, from my circle, so. Maybe they they have a, a, a this, uh, this person has an instinct to try to defend me a little bit, but uh, <laughs> the way the way she put it was, if you have pearls and a tendency to clutch them, maybe this book isn't for you. Um, you know, but if if you want to a chance to read the Bible as it is, which is a book that speaks to all aspects of human existence, including the gross and weird and even traumatic parts of it then this is a book for you. Yeah, and, and I think the book does a good job of that. And um, it, it's very, very accessible. Uh, it's, it's very fun. Um, 
if especially if you primarily stick to reading the New Testament, uh, you're going to learn a lot about the Old Testament that you didn't know. And I don't. It may it may lead you to further reading, and it, or it may not. Uh, you know, we we read scripture all the time, and it's more like. Uh, you know, even devotional or academic or more formal tone, and this really kind of brings it on the level of of more. Uh, it's more, way more informal, uh, and and really shows the humanity of the people in Scripture, uh, and I think that's that, to me that's been to me that's the highlight of the book. Uh, is getting people to understand that you know there, there's a verse in, in the book of James that says Elijah was a man just like you and me, and the purpose of that is uh, James to say, hey, the things that Elijah did, uh, the miracles that he did, uh, that was through the power of the Holy Spirit, and God's giving that spirit to you as well. Uh, but there's this also the sense of this is the, you know, this is the humanity that God has created. That when you look back on these heroes of the faith, um, they have their flaws. Uh, they have their cultural distinctions. They have um, elements of humor and surprise and sarcasm. Uh, they have the same base instincts and the same crude jokes and the same. Um, the same things that they are uh, provoked by or offended by uh, has not changed in 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years. And just that really makes the Bible seem like stories of humanity, uh, which then helps the modern reader connect to ancient scripture. And that that's such a needed thing, I think, in our churches and in our Christianity to understand that this that that the stories of Scripture are real human stories. And this book helps us connect, I think, um, I, I hope, uh, with those people. Let's um, let, let, let's let's wrap it up and, and, and finish uh, with this. And uh, I, I went on a little little uh, monologue. Uh, specifically, I know that your your dad is a pastor, correct? You you said that earlier. Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, techni- um, technically, it's an evangelist. Okay, yeah, he's ordained. As okay, a, he's, as he's a ordained. Elder. Yeah. Um, what, what was his reaction, or what were your parents' reaction to the book? You know, mom, dad, I'm gonna write about all the poop jokes in the Bible, and you're like, oh, this is <laughs> this is what I hope for. Yeah, good job, son. Um, can can you write it under a pseudonym? Uh, what were their what were the, what was their response to it? Oh my gosh. Um. Let me first say my my parents are great. They're really great, um, and they're. I mean, they've always. They're kind of. They're kind of big. They're kind of just big aging hippies, though. You know, <laughs> they're kind of just like we're proud of you no matter what. You know. <laughs> um, I you know I. I had a real career <laughs> before I started writing. <laughs> I um I used to be a used to be a high school teacher um. But, you know, a, a year or so before the original article got published, or really only six months, I, you know, I lost my teaching job and my first child was born. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to stay home, be a stay-at-home dad and write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and 
you know, I, I mean, uh, I think that there are a lot of parents who would have been really skeptical or disappointed <laughs> by that choice. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I, at the time, I, I did get a little bit of pushback from my folks. So if you know you're probably not going to make a living at, at writing, mm-hmm. right, especially if you have to devote a ton of time to raising kids <laughs> right. and keeping house and all that. Um, you know, but they've never been anything other than supportive, you know. Um, I, I think they, they really understand that that I really just have this need to write, you know, mm-hmm. and that um, even if the things I write are generally a little bit, you know, seemingly unimportant, um, there's a real depth of seriousness to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my my dad is, is a little more demure than my mom, you know, as dads tend to be. Um, but my folks have never been anything other than supportive and proud of me. Um, and they have, you know, when I, when I got my big book deal with Harper Collins here, they celebrated right along with me and it's been really great. And, you know, my folks are great. So, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Uh, before we go, um, I know that you have a podcast, so I'm going to, I want to give you the, the chance to pitch that to me. Um, the podcast is, I think it's called Change My Mind. Uh, so talk to me about what you do on yeah. that podcast. Sure, yeah. It's um, it's called Change My Mind with Luke T. Harrington, um, which is me. Um, there is another podcast floating around out there called Change My Mind, um, and that's not me. Okay. It's the one with my name on it. <laughs> I, wa- I watched my podcast before I realized there was already a podcast by the same title, so <laughs> that, was, that was embarrassing. Um, but yeah, Change My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. And what I do, it's a long-form interview podcast where I just, I talk to people who have changed their minds about something big. Um, and we try to really dig into the reasons that they changed their mind about it. Um, so yeah, it's the focus is more on the narrative of why people change their minds, um, than on the issues we discuss specifically. But yeah, I mean, the, the idea is just kind of dig into why, you know, why people change their minds because <laughs> sometimes, um, sometimes people changing their minds seems like a rare thing, right? Right, yeah. Um, so the last couple shows I did, we, um, I talked to someone who had changed his mind about UBI, universal basic income. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I talked to someone who um, went for, converted from neo-paganism to Christianity. Um, so, yeah, we talk, we talk about everything, politics, religion. Um, occasionally, we delve into, like, pop culture or history or um, we did a whole episode on the Oxford comma once. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a mixed bag, but it's always it's always different, but it's always fun. So, well, it's one that I'm going to be adding to my uh, to listen to list. So, um, again, for those of you that are listening, the book is Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, String Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Bemused, and Hopefully Informed. The author is Luke T. Harrington. And uh, it releases on on August 25th, um, so make sure to run out to your local independent bookstore or pre-order on Amazon or some way if this sounds like it's something that's up your up your alley. And it's not. This isn't a book for everyone, uh, but if if it is a uh, let's just say that if you if you like cracked in the in the late aughts, early teens. 
this book is probably for you. Uh, if you enjoy your Bible with a little bit of humor, uh, a little bit of snarkiness, and uh, not always taking it quite so seriously, uh, but yet with an undergirding of research, uh, this is a book for you. So, uh, Luke, I want to thank you for your time on the program. Thank you for the time to write this book. Seven years is a long time to stick with it, <laughs> just stick with, <laughs> stick with this topic. It must be a passion project for you. Um, so looking forward to everything else that you're doing. Um, so thank you, thank you for being on the program. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.